the Neil Rogers Show, now on 560 WQAM, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Suck my dick. I'll be rolling with a trunk load in my 81 Buick. And if I have to bust a cap, I'll just say I didn't do it. And when I get to Crack City, I go to the third world and pass around the club on who be buying my girl. I be going to Crack City to the floating nightclubs. Yeah, I be going to Crack City and be stabbing my blood. When I be going to Crack City and unload my junk, I never go to Crack City without packing my gun. Yeah, do not fall every time. Know that every now and then I sell some crack to a wild dude. Crack City, here I be gone. Some was buck on the intersection working for free food. Crack City, here I be gone. Well, I be cruising by the verbal house with no windows and be macking on Moesha. She my favorite hoe. Hoe. I'll be going to Crack City, cause I'll be bad, yeah. Do not fall every time. Oh, supposed to be a guitar here. What the hell are you talking about? You mean you can't play no guitar? I The name of the book is Pros and Cons, The Criminals Who Play in the NFL by Jeff Benedict and Don Yeager. After her physician determined that the fetus had not suffered any fatal injuries, Cooksey opted to go through uh, with the pregnancy. The Darrow's, meanwhile, received a call from Thomas attorney Howard Weinberg. He, Weinberg, apologized, Darrow told the police, and said that he was going to make sure the bills get paid. He's going to take care of it, see that Lamar gets counseling, and make sure it doesn't happen again, according to court documents. However, it did happen again, and the problem was not taken care of. After appearing in nine games for the Dolphins in 1996, while his lawyer successfully delayed the disposition of his case until after the season, Thomas was sentenced to 18 months probation for aggravated battery on a pregnant female on February 24, 1997. He was also ordered to spend 10 days in Broward County Jail, which was to be served on weekends, and to complete a 13-week batterer intervention program at Lifeline in Miami. The Dolphins then offered Thomas a new contract on March 11, 1997. Three weeks later, Thomas assaulted Cooksey again. On March 29th, Metro-Dade police were dispatched to the couple's Coconut Grove home. Cooksey, at this point, had given birth to a baby boy who was now six weeks old. Upon arrival, the officers found Thomas holding the newborn. Cooksey was discovered in the couple's bedroom, crying. Her underwear was torn. There were scratches on her right hand, left shoulder, and neck. After she told Officer Grass that Thomas tore her underwear three times and choked her, he was arrested, issued his Miranda rights, and escorted to the back of the police cruiser. After Thomas's arrest, probation officers learned that he had yet to begin the counseling program that was supposed to be part of his probation. 
A subsequent report signed by Correctional Probation Supervisor Jasmine V. Siegelman and Correction uh, Seligman and Correctional Probation Officer Dorette Jones recommended that Thomas's probation be extended to 24 months with a longer period of counseling, thus giving Thomas a chance to change his temper and be able to live as a law-abiding citizen. The report also indicated that Thomas had accumulated 88 total sentencing points, which carries a maximum of 75 months in state prison. Johnson's initial decision to hire Thomas in 1996 came before the talented receiver had been formally convicted of anything. By the time the team re-signed him a year later, Thomas was a convicted felon. Now he was charged with assaulting his fiancée again and found to be in violation of his probation. Did any of this change Thomas's playing status with the Dolphins? Not exactly. There were no reported disciplinary measures taken by the team, no ultimatums laid down, but Weinberg said that the team strongly encouraged Thomas to seek counseling. There are selfish motives on the part of the Dolphins, arguably, because they want him to be the best player possible, explained Weinberg. But they're saying if you want to reach your full potential, then you have to be able to meet the challenge of dealing with the problems off the field. No one is capable of completely separating his personal life with his professional life. These things bleed through. Jimmy Johnson declined to be interviewed on his decision to continue playing Thomas. The authors, however, did interview other former Air Dolphins familiar with the Thomas case. The role of the coach to win plays a large role in how they respond to these situations, said ex-Miami Dolphins defensive back Lifford Hobley in an interview for this book. Hobley worked for the Dolphins when uh, running back Irving Spikes was arrested for beating his wife in 1995. Don Shula was the head coach then, and Hobley saw stark differences in the way that Spikes and the Thomas cases were handled. On August 29, 1995, Pembroke Pines police officers responded to a domestic violence complaint at Spike's residence. According to the police report, Spike choked his wife and struck her in the face before throwing her to the floor. Stacy Spike sustained injuries to the neck, knees, and right foot. The following day, Shula met with Spikes, who was entering his second season in the NFL. Despite not yet being convicted of anything, Spikes was informed by Shula that he was on disciplinary probation for a full year. Any more incidents, and he would be dismissed. Domestic violence is definitely something that Shula would not condone, said Hobley, who actively worked with Spikes in an attempt to get him counseling. Shula made sure Spikes got into counseling. It was mandatory. He had to go at least two hours a week. Spikes felt threatened for his job. According to Hobley, after Spikes met with Shula, he said, If I get cut from here, who's going to give me an opportunity after this guy? Shula cuts me. Everybody respects him. Spikes pleaded no contest to battery on May 16, 1996. However, as of the publication of this book, Spikes has had no further contact with law enforcement pertaining to domestic violence. He was cut by the Dolphins during the 1998 offseason. In contrast, Thomas faced no apparent disciplinary action from Johnson, nor was Thomas required to fulfill his obligation to attend anger management courses. Oh, do I love that term, anger management courses. Under Shula, anything that you didn't got caught doing it, you were gone no matter who you were, according to Hobley. Anything happens outside the realm of this organization that I hear about, there's no question, you did it, you're out of here, Shula used to say. On April 24, 1997, Judge Jeffrey D. Cohen signed a warrant for Thomas's arrest for violating the terms of his probation. It read in part, the probationer did commit the offense of simple battery on March 29, 1997, as alleged in Date Circuit Court. Thomas was arrested again and jailed pending his trial. It wasn't until Thomas was incarcerated, according to Weinberg, that Thomas started to confront his problem. One day, while Weinberg was visiting Thomas at the Broward County Jail, a guard knocked on the door of their private cubicle and interrupted the conversation. It's time, the guard said to Thomas. Time for what, Weinberg asked him. Weinberg soon discovered that a group of at-risk teenagers were touring the jail in conjunction with a scared straight program. Thomas, when he found out about their visit, had volunteered to speak to the youths. According to Weinberg, Thomas stood up in front of the boys wearing his jailhouse jumpsuit and told them, I'm locked up here, I have a baby at home, I'm sending him the wrong signal, and I play football in the NFL, so you probably think I'm pretty tough. 
Well, guess what? I'm not too tough to cry. You never want to be in the situation I'm in. Prosecutors suddenly dropped the charges against Thomas on May 14th, and he was released from jail. Cooksey has decided not to testify against Thomas, leaving prosecutors without their prime witness. Cooksey's reluctance is typical of domestic violence victims, but rarely understood by individuals who haven't experienced violence in the home. Sometimes victims have good reasons for not testifying, explained domestic violence judge Ed Newman, former Dolphins lineman. Domestic violence is like a dance. In this dance, one is the aggressor perpetrator, the other is the victim. The victim adopts strategies to avoid the next beating. Some victims think in this procedural context of a trial that they'll be beaten if they step forward as a witness. Sometimes they're concerned about a retaliation. Sometimes the victim is financially and emotionally dependent on the perpetrator. After playing in two Super Bowls under Shula, Newman completed his law degree and was later elected to the bench. He's one of a group of Florida judges who've been assigned to hear domestic violence cases on an exclusive basis. When there's an apparent problem, when you see a young lady with a black eye and it happens again and again, somebody needs to intervene, said Newman, not only for the good of the individuals, but for the good of the image of the league and of the Dolphins. Apparently, nobody ever intervened on Ebony Cooksey's behalf. Thomas got talked to many times about the need to address his problems, but there was little incentive in the way of consequences. After his incarceration, however, Weinberg said that Thomas started to take counseling quite seriously. A black male, particularly one who plays professional sports, does not see reaching out for psychiatric help or counseling as a viable option, explained Weinberg. They see that as a sign of weakness. So if it was, great, it was of great value when Lamar stood up in front of a bank of reporters and said, I need professional counseling, and that doesn't mean that I'm not a man. According to Weinberg, Thomas, Cooksey, and their child were living together as of the spring of 1998. At that point in time, Thomas had been counseling for nearly a year. Thomas declined the author's invitation to be interviewed for this book. As far as Jimmy Johnson's motives for keeping Thomas on the roster throughout the assaults, arrests, and jail time, they want to win games, Weinberg said. There is no question about it. If they can get him to play his best, they've helped themselves, but I definitely noticed concern that this was separate and apart from just those issues. When assessing whether Johnson is acting out of raw self-interest or altruism, it is difficult to overlook that in 1998, Dan Marino is throwing the ball to two athletically gifted criminals. Thomas and Jordan have both been convicted of violent crimes. His own words from a press conference October of 1997 seem to sum up his motives best. The bottom line is production, Jimmy said. Oh! All right. Nice going, Jimmy. All right. Okay, that's all I'm going to read. Sorry about all the reading, okay? But I know that most of you won't go out and buy the book and won't read it, so uh, why the hell not? Pros and cons, the criminals who play in the NFL. Remember, this is the best of Neil Rogers. No calls today. It's all been previously recorded. Hey, Brian, are you happy? I hate WLD again. I suck my dick, uh, but I'm happy. Tonight on Let's Watch Animals Screw. It's a dicey situation for the intrepid wildlife crew as they inadvertently interrupt a wild gorilla in the mist orgy. Sound man Richard is mated with a 500-pound silverback male. Follow the couple as they register at Macy's and pick out a flatware pattern. It's all on tonight. Let's watch animals screw. By the way, one of the authors, authors Jeff Benedict, says that the National Football League is far more tolerant of violent crimes than it is of other transgressions, such as gambling and steroids, because gambling and steroids get at the credibility of the game. But violence, uh, that'd be okay. I mean, if, you know, when you come out of the ghetto, you're expected to be violent. Just need a little uh, anger management, you'll be okay, huh? Like O.J., you'll be okay. Till you just lose it. Here's Palm Beach. Hello. Hello, Neil. Yes, sir. How's it going today? Okay. Hold on a second. Oh. Yeah, okay. Let's go. Where are we going? To uh, Coral Gables. Hello. Yes, Neil. Do you think it's safe to generalize everybody that comes out of the inner city? Who did that? Sounds like you're doing it. Oh, I am? Yeah. 
In other words, we're reading specific stories about specific people. But so, did you hear any of the words that I read, sir? Or you just uh, got a chip on no, your No, it's because of the music, and and, and you have the uh, because of the music stereotypical black boys singing about crack. You know, I don't think it's fair. Oh, you're talking about the bits that I play? Yeah. So who says that everybody that comes out of the inner city is a uh, criminal? Okay, that's 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 different. Oh, okay, okay. Well, thank God we straightened that out. Okay. Got to do these disclaimers so that these professional ethics don't get all bent out of shape. Get out of here, okay? Blow it out your ass. Go find a life. Go get a search party. Open line at Broward. I'll say, this is a tremendous response after what I just read there. This is uh, scintillating. Two bozos back to back. 5670560, oh, pound 560 on a mobile one line. Here's a mobile in Miami. Hello. Hey, hey Neil. Yes, sir. If you could criticize these football players for what they did, how did you get off of your crime when you got caught? Oh, how did I get off of my violent yeah. crime? Did I commit any violent crimes or was I accused of a violent crime? Blow it out your ass. Oh, you know, this is unbelievable. This is exactly the mentality we're dealing with. And like I said, it's not these guys' fault. It's the fans because they'll support it. They don't give a crap what these guys do as long as we win. As long as they run fast and jump high, just like Brian Blades, baby. He don't have time to talk to you guys. He's got to go out there to Seattle and play. That's what Drew Rosenhaus said. Give me a freaking break, okay? Go talk to Pee Wee Herman and blow it out your ass. Here's a lady mobile in Delray Beach. Hello. Hi, Neil. How you doing? Okay, ma'am. Hey, you know what? You are completely right. You've got three morons back to back to back, yeah. you know? Uh, don't, don't you understand? Because I'm knocking their heroes. Exactly. Don't you understand? Exactly. We're five and two. We don't want to hear about all the criminals on there. Exactly. And about on the college football team. I agree. And all these other sport, all these other dumb jocks. I agree. I, I'm a, I've been turned on to you for six months. And I've been trying to turn all my girlfriends and everything else on to you, too. Hopeless. Anybody Forget about I that. No women. Find. We don't have any women. Yeah. Oh, I'm a woman, babe. Well, we got one. You betcha. And I agree with like 95 or maybe almost 100% of what you say. And even with the OJ situation, okay? He goes and kills and gets off. And what do we do? We're still waiting and looking at the tabloids. And, and, there, and there, keep in on. mind that and the, day, keep in mind the day that he was evading arrest, exactly. that he was in the Bronco, that we had all these assholes running around there with signs on the L.A. freeway. Go O.J. Go You're talking about the, the dumbest of America, sweetheart. You're talking it. about a bunch of idiots. You've got that right, sweetheart. You've got that right. And my thing is, I think it's time to boycott football. Us football widows, when we see them sitting there on the TV and our husband's sitting there drinking a beer and watching it and going, ooh, go, go, go. Sit there and say, what about his police record? What's going on? Give him enough pools at home. Maybe they won't watch him no more. All right. And games, too. Yeah. I wouldn't spend the money to go see him. I wouldn't. My son wanted to buy a jersey from, uh, I think it was the Dolphins or some kind of crap. I said, I won't see a do- Dolphin jersey on your back, son. And he, you know, hey, but that's how my feelings are. Okay. Not for you. Have go a for it, babe. Yeah. Go okay. for it. Yeah, get on here. Two open lines in Broward, 5670560, oh, pound 560 on a mobile one line. Here's a mobile in Miami. Hello. Hello, Neil. Yes, sir. Hey, you're absolutely right. I I used to play football, and they don't care. As long as you can run fast, jump high, love you. Yeah. That's all they care about. They don't care about nothing else. You can kill somebody, and they'll get you off of it. And, and you know, I'm sure that there's some of these Dolphins out there thinking, but, you know, Shula didn't win anything in a long time. I mean, I one of two Super Bowls years ago. But Shula, at least, was a uh, didn't put up with this crap. But Jimmy Johnson, hey, we're 5-2, and two, so we didn't care what Jimmy does. That, that's well, the mentality. He's, he's got a point to prove. He's got to look good, so, so he's... He's going to do whatever he can to make himself look good. Well, thank you know, God he had good, college thank God he had good training at U of M and at Dallas, too. Okay, have a good day, Neil. Okay, thank God that Michael Irvin's another one of those oh. good upstanding guys that Jimmy can take credit for. 
We have an open line of date. Fine. Oh, you can't say these things. I mean, yeah, right. And like I said before, how come the sports segments on this radio station, how come they're not the ones talking about this book and interviewing these authors? Because the uh, several pages that I read, they were as terminal and as boring as it may have been to some people. Nevertheless, that was all about stuff going right here in this town. And also, there is a footnote, by the way, which I didn't read, but just to show you how up-to-date the book is, because it was written just a couple of months ago. It was released. Editor's note at the end of the chapter, I read Marino will not be handing off to Phillips, and it goes on about how Jimmy Johnson has a number of talented running backs to replace him and began fumbling the ball in training camp. John ex- Johnson explained to reporters his decision to release Phillips had little to do with the troubled athlete's most recent brush with the law. And police are, and it says, as the book goes, the press police are still investigating allegations that he assaulted a woman in Miami nightclub in June, and here it is, the end of October. Have we heard any more about that? No. I haven't heard the uh, final disposition of that. No. Did anybody ever hear any more about that? No. No. Lawrence Phillips, one of the real scumbags in the history of the human race, stuck his girlfriend in a goddamn uh, stand-up uh, post, post office box there in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, beat the, after beating the crap out of her. But, hey, you know, we, these guys got to have anger management courses. They got to have, yeah, they came out of the ghetto. Yeah, right. Tell Nicole uh, Brown that, too, okay, that O.J. came out of the ghetto, and tell Ron Golden and his family while you're at it. Always got excuses for aberrant, unacceptable, violent behavior, don't we? Here's Miami. Hello. Talk about the criminals and... Yeah, okay. Here's a mobile in... I uh, always like those guys that got the thing. Oh, no, that's always impressive to me. A tin can over the phone. Mobile in North Lauderdale. Hello. How you doing, Neil? Okay, sir. Uh, listen, i got to respond to this. I, this sounds like you're making a big deal out of something that's been going on forever. Um, there's, there's, what you're talking about right well, now, there's, there's, nothing, like I'm making a there's, nothing, there's nothing new to anything you're saying. This has been going on in sports since the beginning of time. Yeah. And so, every, in other words, so in other words, people shouldn't be talking about it? No, is that what you're no, saying? No, no, no. You're right about bringing it to the public attention, but I, what I think is what's going on here and what's dragging it out so much is that the proliferation of media and the ability for media to just take things and blow them out on all over the airwaves and make such a big fuss out of them in a hoopla and the way that they're almost uh, controlling what's going on now is that it's become so sensational that the big picture has is, is been completely blown away, that these are people from underprivileged areas. Oh, here we Worse go. Worse is their house. OJ was from no. underprivileged area. Tell that to Ron Golden. Exactly. Didn't I tell you that? I told George that as soon as I finished reading. We went to the break, and I said, the response is going to be from assholes like, see, sir, I'll listen to anybody say almost any opinion, but that I will not listen to. I don't care what area you come from. That's not an excuse for violent behavior against other people. It's not an excuse for murder. It's not an excuse for assault. It's not an excuse for treating women like like subhuman garbage. It's not an excuse. I'm sick and tired of hearing that. Whether you're black, whether you're white, I'm not interested in hearing it. Whether it's Bobby Cox, whether it's goddamn Irving Spice, whether it's Mark Fitzpatrick, I don't want to hear about it. Mark Fitzpatrick didn't come from a goddamn underprivileged uh, neighborhood. Neither did uh, Bobby Cox. Jesus, Joseph, what a sad, sad, sad. And, you know, the interesting part is it points out in this book. See, and now you understand where he was coming from in the beginning. Well, the media's blown this all up. No, the media ought to be blowing it up. That's why this book is so goddamn great. Paying millions of dollars to the lowest scumbags on the face of the earth. Just like Mike Tyson. There's a classic example. See, the boxing fans in this country. They don't give a crap what Mike Tyson does, how many people he rapes, how many ears he chews off, how aberrant his behavior is. They want to pay to see him fight some stumble bum again because uh, for whatever reason. Because to them, that's exciting. So don't confuse them with the facts. 
But this horse crap, in addition to which, these are the guys, these are these select few guys who have been taken out of the, out of the uh, ghettos and given the opportunity to make millions of dollars. 80% of the players in the NBA are black. What would most of those guys be doing if they weren't playing basketball and making millions and millions of dollars? What would they be doing? So when somebody gives you the opportunity to make millions of dollars and be a big hero and a big celebrity, and then you turn around and continue being a scumbag, something's wrong there somewhere. Right, Mark Duper? I mean, you could go down a list. You've got a list as long as your arm and your leg put together. And this guy's trying to make excuse. Sir, I got, I'm, all my life I've been a liberal, but you know something? When it comes to this, that's where I draw the line. I'm not interested in labels. When it comes to the death penalty, fry them. When it comes to scumbags who have no respect for other people, put them away and throw away the goddamn key. And I knew that this would be the re I told you that right during the break. I said, you wait and see. Oh, they were underprivileged. They came from the ghetto. They grew up in these gangs. Well, you know something? They were given a chance to get out. How many chances do they get? It's like how many beers does it take to enjoy a sporting event here? How many chances do they have to get before we finally say, well, uh, you know. Thank God Lawrence Taylor got off drugs. Oh, I'm sorry. Sports Radio 560 WQAM Miami Fort Lauderdale presents the best of Neil Rogers. No live calls will be taken today. Neil is on tape. Okay, that's tape or mini-disc, but he's not here. Please don't call. The opinions heard on the Neil Rogers Show are those of the host and callers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Beasley Lead Acquisitions or the Beasley Broadcast Group, its management, or anyone else for that matter. Now remember, this is the best of Neil. Do not call. Put the damn phone down. Just relax and enjoy on 560-QAM. Meridians, dumb as dirt. Every good Christian knows a game to play, and it's not so very hard to do. The name of the game is the Bible says, if you interpret it the way we do, tell people you know the way. Invite them to your house. Take their possessions away. And then you burn it down. You can get somebody to believe anything. If you make the Bible say it's true. No matter what you do, you can be guilt free. The Lord will always forgive you. Pick up a poisonous snake. Out of your kids. All right. Your Deuteronomy bound. Go on a pilgrimage. Yes. And pass the Kool Aid around. Fight off the chicken head. To make a sacrifice. 1132 and 560 WTM. By the way, a little later, I don't want to spend the whole four hours reading today, but why the hell not? But a little later, somebody faxed me from Salon Magazine, which is that magazine that's on the internet. 
David Horowitz, a uh, great column. I'll do it later. Choke Your Coach and Become a Cause is the name of it. Oh. What about Latrine Sprewell? Now, you don't understand it from the ghetto. Well, tell that to some of the people who who be dead, okay? Tell that to Nicole and to Ron Goldman and lots and lots of other dead people, by the way. Like the one that we were reading about in the Charles Jordan case. Here's a mobile in Miramar. Hello. Uncle Neil. Yes, sir. Hey, three things. Uh, I agree with you 100% on uh, this book and what, and uh, exposing these people and bringing it to the to attention. Uh, pacify these idiots calling up about picking on the poor black people from the inner city. Read a couple passages. I'm sure there's some uh, well-to-do white people with some records in there. That, that, uh, but that's the point. There's plenty of yeah, white yeah. people. That's well, why I mentioned I, Bobby Cox and Mark Fitzpatrick. Well, they're white right. guys who didn't come from the yeah. ghetto, by the way, who came from uh, you know middle class or better yeah. middle class background. Yeah. But still, because they're, they've got this jock mentality, means they can treat women like uh, like garbage. Yeah, well, get these people off this kick that you're picking on black people with that. And uh, secondly... Uh, the, the one guy was right about the media blowing things out of proportion because, uh, you know, I think uh, when did um, when did uh, Mitchell sign for the backup quarterback? Wasn't that yesterday from uh, Detroit? Sign as the backup quarterback? What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, no, that was the big rumor with the yeah. Oh, okay, thank you. More information that Harold is talking about. Okay. Now, I'm not. I'm not talking football. I see. That's the bad thing. I'm talking about society. Okay. I'm not talking about football. And they're not signing Scott Mitchell. He's making too much money. He's not playing. And he's a stiff. He's a nice guy. And he's uh, what everybody uh, is a stiff and overpaid. Open line of date five six seven oh five sixty pound five sixty on a mobile one line. Yeah, this guy before. I mean, I we I, we got the tape of that. That guy was the definitive. And I'll be goddamned if I'm going to sit here. He's called before. He's called before. He must have it written down. It must have a speech written down. Reading it verbatim. You've got to understand the media are blowing us all out of proportion, and this is nothing new. And you've got to understand these guys came out of the ghetto, and we don't care. I don't care where you come from. If you're a dangerous, subhuman piece of turd, I'm not interested in hearing about anger management. I'm not hearing about uh, interested in hearing about being misunderstood. If the people have problems, then make them get counseling and make them be fit citizens in the community before you give them all these millions of dollars and set them up as role models to your kids. That was my, would be my suggestion. And obviously, Jimmy Johnson don't give a crap because, like I said before, including his days in Dallas and his days at the University of Miami, he never met a criminal he didn't like, just like a Dick Vermeil there in St. Louis and just like a Tom Osborne late of uh, Nebraska. These guys, they don't give a crap. As long as you can win, as long as you can run fast, as long as you can catch the ball, they don't give a crap how illiterate you are, what a scumbag you are. They don't care. And I keep hearing, oh, well, the networks are paying billions of dollars. Well, isn't that a sad goddamn commentary? Paying billions of dollars, and they can't understand why fewer and fewer people are watching, too, by the way. Seems to be working in inverse proportion. Because I know, I know that for that $91 million, Mike Piazza up there in New York is probably going to solve most of the social problems of, of mankind. He's going to come up with a cure for cancer, for AIDS, for tuberculosis, for epilepsy, multiple sclerosis, you name it. Mike, I mean, $91 million, he must be going to do something awfully goddamn important up there. Going to get all the people in New York out of the ghetto. That's right. Here's Kendall. Hello. Have you seen the Miami Matadors play? Open line of date, 5670560, pound 560 on the mobile one line. Here's Boca. Hello. Boca. Yeah. Hey, Neil. Yes, sir. Um, I got I got two things I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. one is I went down to pick up uh, both your CDs at the borders in Boynton Beach by my house. Uh-huh. 
and they hate you like poison too. Yeah. They looked at me like I was. Well, you know something? I'll be very honest with you. I'm, these stories are no. I mean, uh, I heard this crap about the place in plantation, and plantations are number one seller so far. So the fact that there may be one, when you say they hate me like poison, if some clerk don't look at you just right, I can't uh, worry about that. We're doing just fine. We're doing great. Oh yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Um, also, I'm a huge supporter of your DNH. Right. And I wanted to ask you, um, what's your views on Anton Lavey? On what? Anton Lavey. Who's Never- who? He was the uh, founder of the Church of Satan. Not as in Never life. heard of him. Never not heard of the Church of Satan. Or did you ever hear of Anton Lavey, George? Yes. He's and not. He's not like. Yeah. People, people like, by, uh, like to you know. stereotype it as someone who was a devil worshiper. Yeah. And what about it? Well, why, not, why, why would you even ask me that? No, no, no. That's that's not what his like spiel is. He runs off the same DNH that you're speaking of, but the haters hate themselves. And the fascists will destroy themselves, and through that there will become a better group of people unified as race. Yeah, well, I, see, I don't. I don't need to read anybody else. I don't need to go into uh, all the great philosophers of all time. I'm not interested in any of that. It's very simple. It's common sense. That's why it's too easy for most people. Okay, do no harm. That's the end of discussion. Just like these illiterate uh, jocks we're talking about, do no harm. Oh well, we can't do that because we're from the ghetto. Oh, I'm sorry, we've forgotten. You run fast, so let's forget about it. We have an open line at Dave, 5670560, pound 560 on the mobile one line. See, immediately it's like the hair on the back of a dog's neck or a cat goes up in the air. Like, that's the kind of reaction you get because these people, especially on this radio station, they don't want to hear this kind of thing. They want to know, uh, let me have your uh, opinion about the uh, Green Bay-San Francisco game. You think they're going to cover the spread? That's what the people listen to this radio station. That's the kind of stuff that they can sink their teeth into. Don't confuse them with the facts because uh, they don't give a crap. Like I said about Mike Tyson, they don't care how many women he raped. If he killed a few people, they don't care about that. They don't care about how much violence there was out there. And obviously with the Vegas hurting now all of a sudden because of the economy and the Japanese economy, they don't care either because they give them a goddamn license to box again. And in spite of, in spite of all the violence and the aberrant behavior and the scumbags that follow him around and were there in Vegas for that last ugly scene, in spite of that, they say, oh, well, we, under- we forgive you. We understand that you got a bum deal. We like Muhammad Ali, even though he can't speak. He's sitting over there shaking because he got, uh, you know, his head is a piece of cauliflower now, like a piece of raw meat. So you bet, Mike, here's your license back, and we hope we can all make a lot of money, and let's uh, have a good time. <laughs> but, see, we just don't understand why it's a violent country. I can't figure it out. 21 before noon at 560 WQM. If you're not getting a good night's sleep, if you're tossing and turning because you're worried about Bruce Smith and Andre Reid, like I heard the other day, oh, yeah. Sleepless night over Bruce Thomas. Oh, God. Bruce Smith, did I say Bruce? Well, it's two guys in one. Remember, this is the best of Neil Rogers. No calls today. It's all been previously recorded. The best of Neil on 560 QAM. It's all been previously recorded. The best of Neil on 560 QAM. It's all been previously recorded. The best of Neil on 560 QAM. It's all been previously recorded. The best of Neil. Oh, man.
there and circulate a little juice by several single bag because, you know, the sale about three by four, you know, and it'll annoy the number seven. I ain't got no food, and that's man. I tell you, man, I'm a little crazy. We sell right, literally, everyone. I didn't do nothing with the night one, man. That's what I'm talking about. Like, we sell it with a little man. And he sell it with a little, you know, they call it, trying to, you know, bubble to the seven bag, or one of the bubbles to really lie. I didn't do nothing with it. So, what am I treating with that? You know what I'm saying, man? Oh, man, she really didn't do it. So, I treated with so much every time, man. I didn't do nothing. I ran the back of the band. I didn't do nothing, man. No white, full, brown, you know, something. So, I was going to ask the good about it. We got Hank coming up at two. We got Jim Mandich coming up yep. from six to eight, and then we got the uh, Panthers. Oh boy, Panthers! Oh my God! At Chicago, eight o'clock tonight. So anyway, wouldn't it? What's the timing? Where, how did you know this was in there? I didn't. Joe reminded me. Well, oh, Joe would know. Joe would know because he. Uh, in fact, I think he is Anton LaHaye with hair, is what he is. Yeah, he got LaVey. LaVey Hay is in. Oi. Yeah, so here's an article in School Magazine of all places about Dr. Anton LaVey and how he started this uh, bull crap in 1969. He did this and shaved his head and yada, 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 and went to work in our sales department. And, uh, I mean, uh, it's, you read it, and it's a bunch of double talk. It's more, see, eliminate the double talk. You don't need another religion to replace uh, the ones you're getting rid of. That's the problem. If you're trying to get rid of religion, why the hell do you have to invent a new one? DNH, simple, three words. Don't need Nietzsche. You don't need goddamn Ayn Rand. You don't need Freud. You don't need anybody. All you need, you don't need uh, this asshole with the bald head. This is the guy that's on that Kenneth Frequency, isn't he? Just a joke, Joe. Jesus Christ. It's just a joke. Man, lighten up, will you? In more ways than one. Oh, I don't mean that. Ah, he's lightening up. Anton LeVay. Like I said, forget about reading all this bull crap, all this double talk, taking something so very simple and making it very complicated and try to... Uh, why, why, why would anybody even waste their time with that crap, you know what I'm saying? Unless they're trying to, well, you know, suck in a bunch of people like this other guy. So they can make their fun. I mean, you know, just like Madeline O'Hare disappeared with whatever money they had, allegedly, and the kids. Maybe she went to purgatory. Here's uh, Hollywood. Hello. Neil. Yes, sir. Um, before, I, before I ask you about this, um, am I supposed to hear George's comments while we're on hold? Or yes. That... Okay. That's I... a free a bonus on the show to encourage you to call. Okay. I was just curious. Yes. Um, seems is it like a history of this country going back to Ty Cobb where he beat a uh, crippled person in the stand. Oh, did he killed, really? And can kill the porter supposedly in he Cleveland. Did? I never read that. All right. Yeah. To Babe Ruth to protect their sports heroes. Uh huh. It's you know. It's I like never read about. Where did you read that about Ty Cobb? Um, various articles. Uh, my parents retired to a town in northeast Georgia where he used to live, right. and they still can't stand him because he was a real sob, and. Well, I, don't, I don't think he cares at this point, you know what I'm saying? Doesn't no. make too much difference now. Well, it's just like uh, constantly our sports heroes, like you and I did some of that stuff. We'd yeah. be in jail, throw away the key. I mean, when you're talking about violent crimes, when you're talking about killing people, beating the crap out of women and other people, and maybe shooting people, I mean, we're, uh, we're, we're not talking about uh, little diddling stuff. We're not talking about people smoking a little weed or whatever. A little. Uh, we're talking about violent crime is what we're talking about in a grotesquely violent society. And these people are supposed to be role models, and they're put up on pedestals. Hey, we worship you. Can we have your autograph? Great. 
And it's not the attitude of, like, you grew up in the ghetto. There are plenty of people that grew up in the ghetto, yet they're not killing people. Right, right. They're coming out and they're also not making millions of dollars a year. So what? what see, society, if we got any brains, we shouldn't be asking you, where did you grow up? We just expect you to conform to certain stuff, just minimal things we expect you to conform to. And if you can't do that, then uh, well, let's put you in a cage somewhere. And, and have a great day. Yeah, cage sounds right, because animals, you know, wild animals, we put in a cage. Here's a mobile in uh, North Miami Beach. Hello. Hello, Neil. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, you know, I'm kind of tired of these people talking about people who grew up in the ghetto being this and that and giving, making excuses for them. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the ghetto. I was, matter of fact, in Miami on 20th Street. I was in the middle of the ghetto. Now, did you kill anybody in, this week? And I didn't kill anybody. Right. And I was able to get out of the ghetto and start my own business and have a business for myself. There and you I go. Was, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a cop-out, those people who try to make excuses because they were poor and they were in the ghetto. Because I was poor and I was in the ghetto, and I didn't turn out like any one of them. See, so most, well, most of the people who make excuses like that asshole that called me about a half an hour ago, this, this guy is a jock sniffer. And so it doesn't make any difference what his heroes do. They've always got an excuse. They need anger management. But as long as they can make him feel better about himself because it's his team and they can win some games, then he doesn't care what they do, really. Exactly. I say put them all in jail. All right. <laughs> all right. Okay, pal. Congratulations. See, there you go. There's plenty. I mean, if everybody who grew up in a ghetto was like the like OJ, if everybody was murdering everybody and totally out of control and beating women all over the goddamn place, then uh, we'd have anarchy. Because we got millions of people who grew up in a goddamn ghetto. Oh, but it's an excuse. Not for me, it's not. Here's a lady mobile in North Miami. Hello. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Oh, am I on? Sounds like you. Oh, okay. Your twin sister. Oh, no, I don't have one of those. I've been listening to you since 1987, and today you finally got me out of the closet. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Um, I think that we set these men up, and the kids idolize them, mm-hmm. and that's what's wrong in society. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thanks. Very simple. Just like the DNA. First, it's not complicated. You don't teach your kids to admire scumbags, that's all. And when I'm talking about scumbags, I'm talking violent criminals. And I hear all this discussion, oh, how come How come this one can't throw a pancake block? And how come this one's got his finger in the other one? Rectum. How come, you know? But don't confuse this with the facts because either we got, you know, a bet on the game, which I do understand that, or, uh, you know, we want to feel better about ourselves. It would be like just like my going to that Panther game the other night and watching that disgraceful display. Am I going to come in here the next day and say uh, and start playing that stupid? Uh, am I going to start doing that? Well, we'll get it next time. We'll be okay. I'm going to do that. I need uh, psychiatric help. Guys making millions of dollars, going through the motions, putting out a putrid performance. Quite frankly, boring me to tears. And I still say to you, they're killing the geese that laid the big ones, baby, just like the uh, Major League Baseball. They got a little bit of a reprieve, but it's only a matter of time, especially with what the Mets did the other day. And uh, the NBA, they're shooting themselves right in the goddamn big one. And you know something? It's amazing. But there are no NBA games going on right now, and the world is still going around. And John Glenn is still taking a big up there in outer space. And people are still, you know, changing their underwear every day, we hope, or every couple of days, every couple of weeks. And uh, life is going on, even without a bunch of big freaks jamming a ball down in a hoop. Isn't that a miracle? How the hell, how do we get out of bed in the morning, you know? Because I have so many sleepless nights worrying about Andre Reed and uh, Bruce Smith and Emmett Thomas. I, I have nightmares that Jim Kelly might come back. 
Here's Miami. Hello. Miami. Hello, Neil. Yes, sir. Hi. Um, a comment about the uh, the uh, football uh, scandal that you're talking about. Yes. I come from a football family. My father, the first in his family to graduate from university, played for the original uh, Canton Bulldogs after 1926. Mm -hmm. uh, it was only by the grace of God and athletic ability that I got a scholarship to get to university and graduated. I played football. Yeah. Now I'm watching and have been watching over the past few years the the disintegration, if you will, of the of the student athlete. Case in point, the University of Miami. Mm -hmm. It's my opinion that that uh, Jimmy Johnson has seriously contributed to the, uh, for want of a better word, the felonization. Yes. Uh, of the uh, of the student no athlete. No question about it. It uh, seems to this observer and to many like me that instead of, for some reason, selecting entirely capable players, possibly first-rounders, future first-rounders even, that uh, would not only be a credit to the school, but would be a credit to their community, mm -hmm. it, it almost appears as if there was some kind of uh, effort, special effort made to, to recruit uh, from the bottom of the feed chain. Mm -hmm. Personally, I can't understand it because uh, there is no correlation between athletic ability, uh, ability to uh, give up your body, and uh, what neighborhood you come from. It just doesn't correlate. Yeah. Or what your particular felonious background may have been. Mm -hmm. I think also that uh, that uh, the, um, the present coach of the Seahawks, sorry, I've just had a... Dennis Erickson. Dennis Erickson. Yeah. He's equally guilty. Yeah, well, he never met a bottle he didn't like. You know. But for some reason... That goes out drinking with his players. It's just one of those things. He just likes a good time, you know. For some reason, uh, I, I, I have to connect in my mind Jimmy Johnson and the, the conscious recruitment. Yeah, but you, but you see, you have to understand, these things couldn't happen without the fans and at university, at the college level, without the alumni. They're the ones who put the pressure to bear for these guys to win, and now they do it at all costs. It doesn't make any difference because it's big money. You know, Notre Dame's got the contract with NBC, national TV contract. We're talking millions and billions of dollars now. And so, you know, as long as these people, as this is their priority, to be part of a winning uh, athletic program, and that's the most important thing to them, it's going to get worse and worse until the bubble just bursts and all falls apart. You're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. Unfortunately, that doesn't explain or, or in any way mitigate the fact that Schools around the country uh, recruit uh, high, excellent high school athletes, guys that can actually crack a book, guys mm -hmm. that can actually graduate right. Right. and play exceptionally on the field. Yeah. Well, you can do it. It can be done. It Indeed. does happen. There actually are people with IQ larger than the thumbnail who are great athletes. can be done if you want to make the effort. Thanks for calling, pal. Just like, I mean, at the high school level here, Miami High, they never met a uh, you know a student athlete that they didn't like from somewhere else around the state who lived in Jacksonville or wherever that they could kind of like ship in a little carpet bag in action there. Pretty soon it's going to be in the kindergarten. Well, you know they brought this kid in from uh, he's uh, going to school in Broward right now. They brought him in from Orlando, but uh, man, this kid is going to be a great quarterback on our team. And like I said, it's the adults, it's the silly, idiotic people out there who like think this is the most important goddamn thing in the world. Is it the most important? No, no, I don't think so. Priorities are all screwed up. They're upside down. People that we ought to be paying a lot. Oh, well, gee, we got such crappy education and we got no good teachers. 
Teachers just struck the big one, baby. Well, take a look at all the big bucks you're paying the teachers. And take a look at how much you're paying people in law enforcement. And paying people who are doing jobs where they risk their lives every day. I'm talking about good people who really care about trying to do a job. And then take a look at the money that you're paying these assholes. Ninety-one million. I'm going to tell you something. People from coast to coast, they ought to be flooding the phone lines at MSNBC. Instead of talking about penis gate and some senile old fart spinning around in outer space, they ought to be flooding the phone lines, saying this is the end of American society as we knew it. We were in a deep spiral and decline, and it's got nothing to do with uh, oral sex. It has to do with people losing their whole semblance of reality. Their whole perspective on what life is really all about and what is important and what is not important. They've lost it. Oh, gee, we don't know how we're going to keep the franchise. We can't pay. $91 million, $100 million. Anybody here, $200 million. And the best part is they weren't even bidding against anybody that was paying close to what they paid. But just to make sure, because, you know, Mike, he didn't like the $84 million in Los Angeles, even though he was crying about missing the Dodger blue and whatever. You're talking crazy people who are destroying. You're watching these people destroying their own empire. Right before your eyes, they're killing it. Remember, this is the best of Neil Rogers. No calls today. It's all been previously recorded. The best of Neil on 560 QAM. It's all been previously recorded. The best of Neil on 560 QAM. It's all been previously recorded. The best of Neil on 560 QAM. It's all been previously recorded. The best of It's Friday, you bastard. Happy Friday to you. Thank God, baby. Oh, my God. This week has seemed like, what, only about 20, 30 months? But, hey, we'll get there. Tomorrow we get our big appearance at uh, Ben and uh, Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's in the Aventura Mall. Now, tomorrow's going to be a real revelation. It's going to be interesting to see not only how many people show up, but who they are in Aventura. Who they be there in Aventura? Huh? Didn't they, weren't they always all Jews in Aventura? Were they like all old Jews? It was like sunrise once upon a time. But you know what they say about changing neighborhoods? I don't know what to make about that. There's a lot of Jews in the mall there. A lot of old Jews going to be there? Oh, all right. They can gum their Ben and Jerry's tomorrow, the old Jews. Mm-hmm. Sounds good to me. 
We'll be there noon to 2 tomorrow. We'll have the best of Neil CDs and cassettes and T-shirts. We'll have all our D&H paraphernalia for all you heathens out there that don't believe in all that, uh, all those bubble mices, all those fairy tales. Thanks to Bill Dreck, by the way, over there who used to be on Whammy. Remember Bill Dreck? Anybody remember him? Anybody? No. Well, I can understand why. But at any rate, he came out with a book. Well, he's got to try to do something. <laughs> Not a real book, but like a little book. The Official Spanish Dictionary. A user's guide to more than 700 to 300, a couple of words and phrases that aren't exactly Espanol or English. And really, uh, most of it blows, Bill. I hate to break the news to you, but the first few pages are kind of cute. I don't even know they're cute, but they're, like, uh, bizarre. For example, it's got all these different uh, Spanish phrases that don't translate directly to English, like, es una postalita, which means he's a postcard, literally, but uh, they use it to say he's a pretty boy. Oh, they don't say he's a pretty boy in Espanol, do they? No. No, they don't say that. They might whisper it, but they don't say it out loud. Eso no la brinca un chivo. Not even a goat can jump it. It's a big problem. Un problema grande. But they don't say that. They say, eso no la, lo brinco un chivo. That's is according to Bill Dreck. Now, he probably never spoke Spanish in his life, but he's making a hell of a scam off it with that Generation NA and all that other bull crap in his. Sedalisa, which means he sandpapers himself, but they use it to mean he takes good care of himself. Kemona, she's very much a monkey. Well, I sure hope not a banana. Well, maybe they do hope she's a banana-eating monkey. She's cute. Very good, George. Es un pan, which means he's a piece of bread, but it's used by the by the Julios to mean he's a good guy. Por si las moscas, for if the flies, which means just in case. Okay, again, you get the drift of that, okay? Go out and buy it. Keep Bill Dreck alive, okay? The official Spanish dictionary. And like I said, the first four or five pages are kind of amusing. The rest of it really blows big time. Awful, awful stuff. I got some stuff here today, and is, am I going to read on the air again today? Uh -huh. Oh, no, you're not going to do that. It's ponderous when you do that. Well, it's from this book, Pros and Cons, The Criminals Who Play in the NFL by Jeff Benedict and Don Yeager, which how come nobody else, how come the jocks on this station aren't talking about this? You don't think there could be some stuff in here that would be embarrassing locally here, do you? Uh -huh. No, you don't believe that. Come on, Maddie, turn loose those numbers and quit screwing around. Thank you very much. Mandy just came down with some numbers from 10 to 2 numbers. It's only a week later. What do you want? Pros and cons, the criminals who play in the NFL. And uh, everybody out there ought to be reading this because then you'll find out what kind of scumbags you and your uh, kids are admiring, what kind of great role models you got. Chapter 8. Yes, I'm going to read a whole chapter. It's only a few pages. What to expect when you're expecting. And it's about some of our great uh, dolphins, about our coach, your coach, and about some of the great players like Charles Jordan. And uh, Lamar Thomas. Remember Irving Spikes? Remember him? Uh -huh. Won't see him no more. But at any rate, and he was a good guy compared to these guys. This book is sensational. How come they're not talking about this on our sports station the other 20 hours a day? I realize it's not really very uplifting, and it's not conducive to getting more people excited about the excitement of football and Super Bowl and all this other bull crap. But I think it's great. I think the NBA strike is great. Oh. Lockout, whatever you want to call it. I think it's sensational. I think baseball, I have one more. I think that ought to put him out of business, you know? Uh -huh. Now that this uh, crap, and, and I hear it like yesterday. I'm listening to, uh, I think it was on Hank's show. It was either Hank or I was listening to what Kimba Camper last night. Oh, and by the way, Richard the Walker now is Eddie. Chronic callers, now that I outed them out of the closet, now all of a sudden they're changing their names. Richard the Walker with his male escort service, now all of a sudden he's Eddie on the Kimba Camper show. You're not fooling me, Richard. Oh! You dick. 
But anyway, so somebody calls in yesterday, and they want to talk about this. Uh, what the hell did I do with it? About this scumbag? Oh, here it is. One moment, please. About this scumbag uh, little. Where, where the hell is the goddamn story? Come on, Neil. We're gonna get your crap together. Where is it? I don't know. Beats all of me. I was talking about that the other day. Who killed the old broad with a car because he got drunk on his birthday? And they were saying, well, uh, do you think that, uh, you know, he actually may wind up playing this year? Do you think that's right? As, as if there really needs to be some discussion about that. Well, you know, he's really not a bad kid. He never stole a freight train, and uh, he went out and partied on his birthday, and we've all done that, and he got drunk. Yeah, Leonard Little of the St. Louis Rams. And you notice of the St. Louis Rams, Dick Vermeil and Jimmy Johnson, I would suggest to you, like they never met a criminal they didn't like. In fact, that'll be our poll question today. Which coach likes the uh, the biggest uh, gangsters? Uh, who's the gangster coach? And of course, remember Jimmy Johnson's days with the Hurricanes and all that crap with the uh, were in the the uh, crap out there in Arizona at the Fiesta Bowl, losing to Penn State. All that camouflage crap they were wearing like a bunch of gangsters. Jimmy Johnson is a gangster coach, and Dick Vermeil is a gangster coach. Which one likes the bigger gangsters? All right, oh! there you go. That's our poll question today. So, what did Maddie bring you, by the way? The numbers. He said that Duff can't do this. We have to go to him anyway, so don't yell at Duff. Yeah, but Duff didn't bring me any of the other stuff either. You want these now? Yeah, that would be nice. Well, sometime soon would be good. Oh, I, I thought you were going to go into a break and then you could have. I am going to go to a break, but it would be nice. I mean, it's only a week later. We would like to know what we did here during these four hours between 10 and 2. Hank did very well, thank you. We had a nice book. But we would like to know what we did here between 10 and 2. And we also see that with the exception of one month there, which was a total of, what is it? Okay, I'll do these uh, during the break. God, Choosing a doctor is difficult enough, but when you practice an alternative lifestyle, it becomes a major challenge. I know when I spread my cheeks for my quarterly physical, I want a physician who will be gentle and take his time probing my, well, you know. So if you want a doctor who is, well, let's say light in the loafers, you need to call 1-800-FISTAMI. I mean, who else will understand your fascination with Judy Garland? Really? Call today. 1014 at 560 WQM. So we got the 10 to 2 final. This is only a week after the book came out. Men 2554 on the show. Who was number one? Were we number one here? Uh huh. With a 10.0 share? Uh huh. Hot was number two with a 6.3. So we're like uh, in a league by ourselves here. We got the men, baby. That's what we want. Oh! Women? Forget it. If we, Like I've said for years, if we really had any number of women listening out there who pretend that they do, but they don't, then we'd have uh, enormous, like triple digit numbers. We'd have 200%. And persons 2554, let's see, who was number one? I'll be honest with you, we were like uh, pretty damn close to number one there. Hot 105. Nice going, Bob and Cheryl, with that damn jukebox you got going there. They were running a jukebox over there. 6.2 share, 10 to 2 uh, adults, that's men and women, and uh, we're like uh, sucking the uh, hind end there, 5.8. Right on their ass, followed by EDR. What did I tell you about the ethna, the uh, black? Every, every dark-complected person in this town got a diary in that last book, except the ones who listen to this show. What a bunch of crap. Yeah. So between Hot 105 and EDR, man, forget it. Hopeless. But nevertheless, we're kicking some very serious ass. By the way, the book Lost Rights, which I've been telling you, I've been reading from uh, day after day after day, which you must read if you value, like, uh, your sanity. If you want to know what really... I mean, there are a lot of you who don't want to know what really is going on around you. Maybe you're better off. Because sometimes La La Land is a very comfortable place to be in, unless they come knocking on your door next. Or looking in your ashtray next. Lost Rights by James Bovard is available on the Internet. BottomDollar.com, am I getting that right? That's the one. For five ninety-five plus the postage, which is a hell of a lot less than the fourteen ninety-five plus tax that you'd pay in your uh, bookstore. 
$5.95 plus postage. Sounds good to me. BottomDollar.com, and the name of the book is Lost Rights by James Bovard, one of the two books that you must buy or else. Should I take a couple of calls before we do this, sir? Because this pros and cons book, this is uh, dynamite. And, and it, it, I understand, I do realize right up front that most of the people don't care. In other words, most fans, all they care about is I want my team to win, and I don't care if they're all a bunch of gangsters. I don't care if they sign O.J. up. If he can still run, sign his ass up and put him out there, because as long as my team can win, then I feel much better about myself. It somehow makes me feel more significant as a human being. Us. We. We're the best. We. There's a mobile in Miami. Hello. Hey, Neil. Yes, sir. Uh, now that you were talking about Bill Jack, I hope he sells a lot of those books because it doesn't seem like the guy's making much money. I was at the uh, Grove last week, and I was staying at the Mayfield Hotel, and he's uh, he's uh, uh, trying to push something. I knew he was trying to he's sell pushing something. pushing it, yeah. And uh, anyway, to make a long story short, he's standing there with some little buddy of his talking on a cell phone for about 15, 20 minutes, looking all cool and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, he's Was he sweating for, a lot? Uh, nah, not really. Um, he he looked. He was looking like he was wait, you know, waiting for valet, or whatever. So I'm sitting around waiting to see, you know, what kind of car pulls up. Guy gets pulled, picked up in a uh, 1990 Corolla. I mean, uh, a Corolla, he, yeah. A Cor Corolla. A brown one? Right. Oh, right, right. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So I hope uh, he sells a lot more books, man, because uh, you know, with uh, that Generation Inge. <laughs> Yeah. And out loud. Never going to get rich on Whammy. Now, out loud, that's history. won't do that no more. I don't think he's making much. In Poor fact, uh, yeah, I, I gave him the key to success once I started promoting him. If he, if he would have just kept saying, out loud, if he would just camped it up a little bit, he might still be on there. But, uh, well, in closing, Neil, Bill Drake, eres un mamao. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here's uh, Kendall. Hello. Hey, Uncle, how you doing? What do you say, Papa Umamao? Something like that. Yes, sir. You want me to translate? No, please. Okay. Uh, listen, that book that you're talking about? Which one? Uh, the Pros and Cons? Yes. It's on uh, CNN Sports Illustrated. It was on last night. They were talking about it. And they had someone from... Well, the they, they interviewed the authors a couple of days ago. They're all over the place now. Yeah, so it's kind of controversial. But, I mean, it's true. The things that go on in the NFL are unbelievable, you know, I mean, in the locker rooms, I've... I've, I've but how about, how about guys calling this station yesterday, asking, do you think Leonard Little is actually going to wind up playing this year before the season is up, get in for a couple of games? Like, like it's something to debate about? Guy gets drunk, whether it's his birthday or not, goes out there, kills this woman, and then somebody else calls in on uh, with Kimball last night. Well, you know, TV newscaster, something happened with him. So in other words, the fact that Rick Sanchez got away with it, that was the one thing. But if a football player does it, uh, let him go out there and run fast and uh, jump high, et cetera, and so on. And how's Brian Blades doing? Yeah, I mean, even in the college level, you know, these players make money through bowl games and through, I mean, the revenue that they provide the universities and their teams is unreal. Yeah. You know, they're going to get away with it. They, they don't care. In other words, they never met a scumbag they didn't like. As long as he can perform, as long as he can rake in the money, that's all they care about. Uh, one more thing. Kind of like the radio business, yeah. The Dolphins, $20 to park at Pro Player Stadium. Yeah. Unreal. I mean, I've never had to pay that much for parking, and, you know, I just, I wish that, you know. Well, good news this week. The game's in Buffalo. Oh! It'll cost you a dime to see it. <laughs> Have a good time, Pat. You too, sir. So. Bye-bye. Pros and Cons, The Criminals Who Play in the National Football League by Jeff Benedict and Don Yeager. And, of course, all of our astute sports jockstrap warriors on this radio station, they should be having these guys on there. They should be talking about this. I mean, do we have to bury this in the closet? Is that what uh -huh. it is? Let me start. Let me begin, okay? Chapter 8. This will take a few minutes. It's not that long. But, boy, this is beautiful and close to home. I selected the chapter that I figured maybe you can relate to. It's the chapter is called What to Expect When You're Expecting. Miami Dolphins team headquarters, Davie, Florida. 
It's a matter of any time that there's talent available. You continually try to upgrade the bottom four or five spots on your roster. Miami Dolphins head coach Jimmy Johnson told a group of reporters gathered at the team's headquarters December 2, 1997. He was explaining his decision to offer a contract to troubled running back Lawrence Phillips. There's a large upside, Johnson insisted. If Lawrence does all the things we ask in a highly disciplined program, then he can realize what his talents might be and realize the success you probably thought he was going to have in the first place. Less than two weeks earlier, the St. Louis Rams suddenly cut Phillips after he was reportedly fined 56 times for violating team rules. In his 19-month tenure with the Rams, Phillips was arrested three times, served a jail sentence for domestic violence, and was twice sued by women, once for domestic violence and once for sexual assault. Having received a second chance at the University of Nebraska following a brief suspension for brutally assaulting ex-girlfriend Kate McEwen, the Rams also gave Phillips multiple second chances before finally releasing him. Johnson assured the media that he and the Dolphins had thoroughly investigated Phillips and that he was not the menace often portrayed in the popular press, all words that had been used by the Rams two words earlier. Actually, I expected all the worst with all the rumors that you hear, Johnson said, and I can say this for a fact, all of the rumors that you hear are not true. We've checked out in factual information, and the things you hear are highly, highly exaggerated. Exaggerated? Although the attack on McEwen, which landed Phillips in jail and had received excessive media play, the scope of Phillips' abusive behavior was kept hidden from the public. McEwen, despite requests from countless national publications and TV networks, never spoke publicly about her violent relationship with Phillips. But on August 16, 1996, she did file a civil complaint at the Jackson County Federal Court in Kansas. In it, she revealed a brutal litany of assault suffered at the hands of Phillips while the two attended the University of Nebraska. Although civil lawsuits are typically a matter of public record and available to the press, McEwen's complaint was filed under seal. To the liking of Phillips and his lawyers, reporters were unable to view its content. However, on September 3, 1996, federal judge William F. Maurer surprisingly lifted the seal. In effect, Judge Maurer's decision left the painful details of McEwen's civil complaint available to any reporter who showed up at the courthouse and requested to see the file. Wanting desperately to conceal the details, Phillips' lawyers acted promptly and were able to secure a court order, placing the document back under seal within 24 hours. But during the brief window when the case file was open, Kansas City Star court reporter Joe Lambie was at the federal courthouse, and he made a copy of the complaint. He's the only reporter in the country to have seen the case file. Lambie reported these details from McEwen's complaint. October 1994. Phillips shoved her head into a wall so hard it broke through the wall, then choked her and would not allow her to leave his apartment. April 1995. Phillips asked her whether she was dating anyone else and threatened her, saying, I'm going to shoot you in the kneecaps and then shoot you in the elbows. This is Los Angeles gang style of dealing with people. May 10, 1995. Phillips slashed her car tires and threatened to kill her, then came after her demanding a glass of water, and McEwen told him to get him after demanding a glass of water, and she told him to get it himself. August 24, 1995, McEwen agreed to drive Phillips, who was drunk, home to his apartment. He forced her to stay there and sexually assaulted her. September 10, 1995, Phillips beat her and kicked her while she was at a friend's house. She contends that he grabbed her hair, caveman style, pulled her down three flights of steps, and slammed her head into a wall. All right. Phillips reached an out-of-court financial settlement with McEwen, which required that she neither discuss the nature of her complaint nor the details of the payoff. Maybe the reason Johnson could so comfortably claim Phillips' record was exaggerated stemmed from the comparison of Phillips' record with some of his other players who had either served time in jail or been convicted of a violent felony. Yet these players were never scrutinized by the press like Phillips. 
For example, Johnson signed a little-known free agent wide receiver, Charles Jordan, in 1996, who developed into one of Dan Marino's most reliable receivers in 97. As a teen growing up in Los Angeles, Jordan was an active member of the Bloods. The authorities discovered that his criminal record made Phillips look like a choir boy. To be continued in a moment. Let's do the break because I want to, uh, like I said, it's only a few pages, close to home. And if you're supposed to look the other way, you better tell me about that. I don't think so. I have a hard time admiring a bunch of goons. That's with a G. Whether they're black, white, yellow, whatever the hell they are. I'm sorry. I, I just don't understand. And you wonder why America's attitudes and values are all upside down? And you're talking about the presidents getting blowjobs up there in Washington like any red-blooded guy and all the presidents who preceded him. And we're supposed to be upset about that and right, rightfully indignant. But here we're worshiping all your kids out there. These are their role models. Not all of them, just uh, too many. Way too many. Some of the worst scumbags walking around loose on the face of the earth. And, uh, oh, geez, uh, you know, they're wonderful people. They're great. These are our heroes. And, by the way, how much more money can we dig up? How many more loans do we have to take out so we can go buy season tickets and watch these goons play? And put on a very mediocre performance, by the way. Oh, yeah, I heard somebody call Kimball last night, uh, you know, bragging about the fact that Doc Ellis pitched a no-hitter for the Pirates years ago while on an acid trip. Oh, that's great. Let's hear it. Oh! He was a real upstanding guy, by the way. Remember Doc Ellis? Dumb jock. I took a call from Ebonic. They say the future be got for me, now I can't get no job. Cause I don't got no literacy, I was talking like an old Negro. Ebonics taught me how this way, now I can't do nothing. But my heritage says that's okay, change my name to shoot road. Try to do semicolon in a Cadillac. I remember when I was kneeling, all the white man's cars hanging outside the Belvedere bar, crying the blues out by the teeth. White devils got no job for me in time. Cody Bonnie can give my life a change now. Got to go and sell more crack cocaine, crack cocaine, crack cocaine, crack cocaine, crack cocaine, crack cocaine, crack cocaine. Crackle game, crackle game. Lordy, what a boring song. Ebonics makes me sound funny. Got nothing to do with literacy. Now I got to make more money. Neighbor food sounds good to me. I got plenty of nothing. Ebonics ain't getting me anywhere. Maybe I'll mug an old white bitch, steal a purse and pull her hair. Then I'm gonna take some money, buy a stereo and a fridge there. I remember when I was stealing all the white man's cars, hanging outside the Belvedere bar, trying the blues out poverty. Why there was got no job for me and time. Thought Ebonics would give my life a change now. Got to go and sell more crack cocaine. Crack cocaine, crack cocaine, 